Those were his wives, right? 
So when you think about the term married, to death do us part, when you, when you think about being equally yoked, when you think about a husband and wife becoming one, right, you, you're devoted. And that's supposed to be the relationship that's similar to how God is married to us as the church. We are his bride, and he's devoted to us, and we're devoted to him. But David had eight wives. So that means he had a whole lot of devotions. And those devotions gave birth to a whole lot of sons. And if you know anything about his story, if you keep reading, the main issue in his kingdom was his kids. He was, he was victorious in all of these battles and all of these wars, but it was the war that was going on in his own house, Lord, that caused him the most pain and the most trouble. And that's why the Bible tells us that you know our enemies are going to be those in the last. Our enemies are going to be those of our own household. Amen. And so the chapter starts off crazy, and then it ends with this, Lord. I'm, I'm going to take you from the beginning to the end, and then I'm going to fill in the parts in the middle. So when we get toward the end of the chapter, this is David talking, and he says, "Even though I am the king chosen by God, I feel weak today." I feel weak today. These sons of Zerah, of Zariah, excuse me, are too violent for me. May the Lord punish these criminals as they deserve. So if you had read the chapter, that doesn't make sense, but I, I, I wonder, do, do any of y'all know who this person is? It's his sister. And he's talking about his nephew. He had three nephews, and they all served in his army. And his nephews, if you go back to the chapter before where we were last week, you will realize that his nephew, Joab, started the war that's going on in the first place. Right? I had to go back and read that for myself. So if y'all remember last Sunday when I told you each side chose 12 and they stole, David was nowhere around. It was his nephew who said it. It was, it was his nephew who said, I'm going to pick 12 and you pick 12 and we're going to fight. And so sometimes it's just the, it's the people around us and it's the people in our household that's causing all of the wars and the storms in our life. And the only way that you can survive those storms is if your, if your devotion rests with God. Because if your devotion rests with God, whatever seed you bring forth is going to be good seed. It's going to be good to see. And so here's a question for you to answer while you're sitting there, Glory. And I hope, I hope this makes sense to you. What is war? What is war? Like, I want you to think about it in a spiritual sense, and I want you to think about it in a physical sense. What is war? And so the Bible tells us what it is in 1 John 4, 1 through 3. It says, my dear friends, do not believe all who have claimed to have the Spirit but test them to find out if the spirit that they have comes from God. I'm going too fast, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What is war? Amen. And so the Bible tells us, because that's not the verse that I wanted. I wanted James 4. That's why you always got to have your paper. Hallelujah. I wanted James 4, 1 through 4. Amen. And I'm going to read this to you. It get good to me, and then I start rushing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Ghost, for making me slow down. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you. Glory, glory. Glory. I'm 
Somebody get to it the phone and read it for me. James 4, Amen. 1 through 4. Amen. What is war? It says, From whence come wars and fighting, even among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust, that war in your members. Ye lust and you have not, ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Amen. 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 Ye ask and receive not, because you ask amiss, Amen. that ye may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterous and adulteresses, know not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore be a friend of the world is an enemy to God. Amen. And so I read that because, y'all, hallelujah, your devotion, glory, to God is going to be what gets you through Amen. any war that you face. Amen. Anytime you have a war in your life, it's because something, something is not right. Your devotion is not in the right place. Anytime you have fighting, it's because you are desiring something. You're desiring something, right, so that you can consume it upon your lust because you want it, not because God has that for you, whether it's spiritual or, or physical. Mm -hmm. And so this war that David is involved in is because other people mm -hmm. want to consume things upon their lust. They're lusting after things. And so as I go into this story, and that's why I asked y'all to read it ahead of time, as I go into this story, so the, the, the chapter starts off talking about David and his wives, his devotion and his seed. And then the story switches and it begins to talk about the war that's going on. Mm -hmm. And so based on the war that's going on, we know that something is off. Yeah. We know that somebody is striving for something that they should not have. And we saw this in the chapter before that. We saw Abner wanted to make a king of his own, right? Mm -hmm. We saw that in chapter 2. And so what I learned about Abner as I'm reading, Abner is like a lot of people today, right? Abner is an opportunity, an opportunist. He'll switch sides depending on how it's going, right? He'll just switch up depending on how the fight is going. So in the beginning, he did not want to be on David's side because he did not want to lose his position. But when you begin to read the third chapter, it starts to say that David got stronger and his opponents got weaker. So by the time we start to go through the chapter, we see Abner getting ready to switch up. And see, that's what a lot of Christians do. We switch up. We switch up depending on which side that we think is winning. We switch up depending on which side we think is winning. And so most Christians are smart. They know that they can't beat God, so they say that they on God's side when really they have no devotion to him at all. They really don't have a devotion to him. They just know they can't beat him. So let me at least get on his side, and maybe he'll give me a little something. Maybe I'll get blessed if I just say I'm on his side, even though I have no real devotion to him. And that's what Abner was doing. He decided I'm going to switch sides because I see that the side that I'm on is losing. Mm -hmm. But I'm really not devoted to David either. Mm -hmm. I just don't want to be on the losing side. Mm -hmm. I just want to make sure that I get something out of the deal, even though I'm not really devoted to the one that God has anointed. Mm -hmm. 
And that's what Christians do. Or so-called Christians. Some of us try to jump on God's side even though we're not really devoted to the anointed one. And so I, I bring you back to 1 John 4, and this is where I was going with this, y'all. It says, my dear friend, do not believe all who claim to have the Spirit, but test them to find out if the Spirit that they have comes from God. For many false prophets have gone out everywhere. This is how you will be able to know whether it is God's Spirit. Anyone who acknowledges that Jesus Christ came as a human being has the Spirit who comes from God. But anyone who denies this about Jesus does not have the Spirit from God. The Spirit that he has is from the enemy of Christ. If you read the King James, it says anti means against Christ. You heard that it would come, and now it is already in the Word. I'm going somewhere with this. It's all going to connect up by the end. And so this is how 1 John tells us to determine whether somebody's devotion is real. The first thing it says is test them. And when you look at that in the Greek, the word test, it means to examine. It don't mean you put a trap in front of them and try to trip them up and see if they're going to fall. It just say examine them. Just look at them. Look at how they live and look at how they respond. Look to see if they wishy-washy. Look to see if they moody. Look to see if they are cheerful giver. Just look at them. Just examine them. Yeah. And so I go back to when we first started this series and when God had me say, one of the reasons today is people are looking at Christians and they can't see the benefit of being a Christian because most Christians look like people in the world. So if you're going to act just like I am, why should I serve Jesus? Right? So the Bible tells us to basically another way of saying this is test the spirit by the spirit. John says test them, right? Test them to see who they are. Examine them, look at them. And then the word says if they acknowledge and when you look at the Greek end of the word acknowledge, what that means is, do they claim to be a worshiper? So this is, you're not just looking at them to look at them. You're looking at them to see if they worship. Amen. That's what you're trying to see. I want to see if this person really worship God. And so see, the thing about this is, you can't look at a person just on Sunday in church mm -hmm. to see if they really worship God. You can't look at a person just on Sunday to see where their devotion lies because we dress up. We get cute, we sing, the music sounds good, we feeling good for them two hours. You can't examine a person just on Sunday to see if they are if they are really worshipers. You gotta look at them every day when the wars are going on in their life. When their children cutting up, when their marriage not right, when the money not right, when the folks on their job getting on their nerves, and you examining them to see how they gonna respond, to see if they are real worshipers. Right? Because you, you want to see where that devotion lies. And that's when you see, when you see them responding in this situation, because you just don't want to see that they're saying that they're a worshiper. You want to know, well, who do you? Okay, you're a worshiper, but who do you worship? Amen. Amen. You want to see, I want to see if you worship Christ. Amen. So I just don't want to see, because you might worship money. Mm -hmm. You might worship sex. You might worship uh, 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 praise, mm -hmm. right? I want to see, do you worship Christ? And that's how you know where that devotion lies. And when you see that they worship Christ, you're going to start to look around, and the word says you'll know them by the fruit that they bear. 
Once you can determine where their devotion lies, that their devotion lies in Christ, that they are true worshipers, you're going to look around and you're going to start to see their seeds. You're going to start to see their sons. You're going to start to see all of these people that just like Paul say, follow me as I follow Christ. You're going to see a line of people that's following them as they follow Christ. You're going to start to see evidence of who they are. And so when we look at Abner, Abner is one who just, he, he just switches sides. When we start to examine the life of Abner, we see that he really didn't want to, he really didn't want to serve David. He just wanted to be on the side that he thought he was going to win because maybe he would get something out of it. Mm -hmm. And it's for this very reason that Abner ends up losing his life. He, he ends up getting killed by Joab, David's nephew. Right? So Abner goes and he makes this treaty with, with David, and David is like, yes, perfect. So I don't, now I need y'all to understand why David said yes, because God is doing what he said he was going to do. In the last chapter, in chapter 2, we see David, and we see him with the tribe of Judah. And the tribe of Judah is the only tribe that recognizes him as king. All of the other tribes are not devoted to him. And David, the Bible told us that David had to wait seven years in Hebron before he could take his place as king. Right? Mm -hmm. So he just sitting there waiting, and while he's waiting, he married, he done married all these people and had all these kids. And that's going to get him down the road. Yeah. We're going to get to that later. Mm -hmm. But while he's waiting stuff, his devotion is kind of like, it's kind of swaying. And he, and he, got, he got all these kids. And that's going to play out later, but... We, we, we see that when, when Abner makes this treaty with David, mm -hmm. David is starting to get, David is like, yes, I've been waiting on this for seven years. God is finally getting ready to give me the whole kingdom. Right? And so he's excited. And so Joab, his nephew, comes and David tells him, look, Joab, Abner came and he, he's ready to make a treaty and basically the nation is getting ready to come together. And Joab says, why would you do that? He's not really devoted to you, baby. Yeah. He just want to spy on you so that he can know your every move. And so then Joab takes it upon himself mm -hmm. to go find Abner, to pull him to the side like he want to talk to him, and then he kills him. Mm -hmm. Right? And you got to go back to the chapter before that and realize why. He's a, he, he is mad at Abner because Abner killed his brother. And so he wants revenge. Right? He wants revenge. And so that's the thing, y'all. Sometimes we take it upon ourselves yeah. to do things that the king, that the anointed one, has not told us to do. Amen. He took it upon himself to do something that David did not tell him to do because he wanted re revenge, right? Yeah. Right? He wanted to go back and get what he thought he deserved, which was revenge on this other man. Mm -hmm. That goes back to that lust part. Consuming stuff upon your lust, right? So he goes back and, and he kills Abner, and David is like, Why would you do that? Why would you kill him when I was so close to having the kingdom in my hand? And that's the thing that God wants us to see right now. When your devotion is with God, you're not worried about the stuff that's going on around you, you're just worried about the promise. See, that's why some of us go wrong because we let our devotions like we drift off in different directions. Glory, we get glory. distracted. Yes, David was not distracted. He realized what God had promised him since he was a little shepherd boy, right? Mm -hmm. They go back even before the seven years to when he was out there 
all alone tending the sheep when his daddy looked past him. Right? David was like, I'm so close. So he knew what was getting ready to happen. He turns to Joab and he says, why would you do this? Why would you do this? And he begins to mourn. He begins to mourn. And so my question is, why would David mourn somebody who started a war who didn't recognize that he was the king in the, in, in the first place in the last chapter? Why would you mourn over Abner? When Abner was the one who, who helped start this war and didn't recognize you in the first place. So I, I'm asking you as a Christian, why would you mourn for somebody that's trying to take you out? Why would you mourn? Why would you pray for somebody that's despitefully trying to use you? Why would you turn the other cheek to your enemy? Because you know where your devotion lies. You know that vengeance belongs to the Lord. You know that you don't have to fight your own battle. You know that the victory is already yours, right? So why? I don't have to go tit for tat with you. So I'm just mourning because that's what y'all got to read. The devil don't care who he used or how he tried to take you out. He want to kill you. He want to kill your enemy. He want to kill your children. That don't matter to him. And so that's why David just mourned because his devotion is with God. I'm not tired. I'm tired of all of these wars and fighting and bickering and all of that. I just want God's will to be done. I want to walk in my calling. I want to be an heir to the throne. Like, that's what I'm concerned about. That's what I'm crying about because he knew that if the people thought he had anything to do, and this is what I'm talking about, how people can figure out who you are when you get put in a position to be tried and tested, right? Because David, because David knew if they thought he had anything to do with the death of Abner, they're going to say, this king not right. So as a Christian, you got like, I ain't trying to put pressure on you, but I am trying to put pressure on you. You got to know that people are looking at you. Yes. Amen. Right? He knew that if they, if, if, if they thought he had anything to do with what he did, they're going to say, that ain't a God. How are you just going to kill that man like that after he tried to make peace? That ain't Christ's life. And it's the same thing with us. Like, people are watching you. They're watching you to see where your devotion is and what kind of fruit you're going to bear. Right? So he mourns for that reason. And then he punishes his nephew. And see, that's the thing. Right? We really, we, we, we're willing to get everybody except our family. <laughs> oh, I'm going to correct him, but when it comes to my wife and my kid, they can't do no wrong. David was so devoted to God, he said, not only am I going to mourn for my enemy, I got to get my nephew because he did it wrong. He could have turned around and said, thank you, nephew, because he's been giving me trouble all these years. Thank you. I appreciate you. Handle my lightweight. But no, David said no. And he even put a, he even pronounced a curse on his own nephew for what he did. And so this is what it means when God said this when, when, when God is talking about example, when we look at Abner and then when we turn around and examine David, how David behaved in this situation is why the Bible says that he is a man after God's own heart. David desired God above all, except when he didn't. Except when he didn't. If he did something wrong, he repented. Except when he didn't. And I think I read to y'all the one time that he did not repent was concerning Uriah the Hittites. Right? Uriah the Hittite. That's the one time God had to send somebody to him 
to convict him of his wrongdoing. And ever since that, that, that one little event, when David did not repent on his own, everything in his life spiraled out of control from that point going forward. Now, all the wrong he did up before that, if he did wrong, and God said, David, you did wrong, David turned around and he repented. That's what it means to be a man or a woman after God's own heart. You know, you nobody got to tell you when you do wrong. You turn, and y'all got to realize, repent just ain't saying, I'm sorry. Repent is turning. So every time David did something wrong, he turned. He turned. Except that one time. Except that one time. God had to send a prophet to convict him of his wrongdoing. And the prophet asked him, but what would you do to a man that did A, B, C, and D? And David was like, I would do this to him, and I would do that, and I would just do all that bad stuff to him. And the, and the prophet said, that man is you. That man is you. And it seemed like, well, God, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you let him? And David did repent. But God, why, why would you be so harsh with him when he, when he did right all them other times? And God was like, because you should have known that. <laughs> I've been with you since you was out there in the field. You don't have no excuse. <laughs> like, you don't, you don't have no All them other times when you repented and I was still good to you? Yes, yes. All them other times when you, when you were messing up and taking senses and doing all these other things, right? <laughs> and you repented and I still said, you my chosen king. <laughs> That's why. And it's going to be the same thing on judgment day. We're going to be standing there saying, God, but what about all the times that I did it right? <laughs> but what about that time you didn't go back? That one time, except when you did. Except when you did. When God had to track you down and chase you down. You should have known that. And that's what we got to read. Where does your devotion really lie today? Where does your devotion really lie today? Right? And I, I, I want to close with this, right? I want to go back to where I started with the sons, because I still got to tell y'all why they're sitting there. <laughs> right? That except when he did it, concerning Uriah the Hittite, when he slept with Bashid, right? That wasn't just a uh-oh, happy thing. There's a pattern in David's life. That's why he got all them wives. There's a pattern in his life. He always wanted more. The Bible says that David had 18 wives, and that's not including his concubines. No, he had, I'm sorry, he had eight wives and 18 sons, and that's not including his concubines and the babies that they might have. So they only count your sons if, if they're legitimate, if you're married to the person. So he had eight wives. So his devotion is just his devotion is just split throughout his time as king. His heart is always tied to something, right? Right? And so because his heart is always tied to something, that's why David is a man of war. When David gets ready to build a temple, God says, you can't build a temple. You got too much blood on your hands. You got too much blood on your hands. And so when you find yourself always involved in drama, always involved in wars, internal wars and external wars, something is out. You need to go back to the root of that thing. And so as I was studying, I said, God, well, why? If this man is a man at the old, why does he have his appetite for women like this? Right? Why can't he just, and it goes all the way back to when he was like, 
He got David got daddy issues. I'm gonna tie this together with David got daddy issues. When they were trying to pick who was gonna be the king, who daddy looked, daddy looked, oh everybody except him. Right? Daddy sent him off to be in the field all by himself and he was not good enough. Right? He 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 thought that Saul was gonna be the father father figure to him. Saul turned his back on him and tried to kill him. Right? And so what do like think about today, how does a man prove or how does a man try to prove that he's a man? I want to acquire as much money as I can. I want to get as many girls as I can. I want, you know, I'm gonna be a man. I'm gonna have no I'm happy as many boys as I can. He got, he got daddy issues, right? And so he, he spends his life trying to, he spends his life being devoted to trying to prove that he's the king, to prove that he's the man, not realizing, God had anointed you. What you fighting for? Be who I called you to be. Stop trying to be this person that you think. Right? Stop trying to be this person that you think you got to be and just be the person that I called you to be. I chose you. Yeah, your daddy overlooked you. Your devotion should have been to me anyway. Yeah, Saul tried to kill you. Your devotion should have been to me anyway. Right? And the same thing that was wrong with David, he passed on to his son. Solomon let him down. Absalom let him die. All these little stepsons fighting each other because they all want the throne. And God told us last week, why Christians fighting over the throne when God said the throne is available to all of y'all through my son Jesus. Jesus. What y'all fighting for? What you fighting for? It's available to all of y'all. And so I close with just saying, y'all, Sons, right? Seeds and devotion. Where is your devotion? And the way that you figure out where your devotion is, examine yourself. Examine yourself. Ask yourself, God, how do I react when things start going wrong in my life? Do I take it out on my hood? Do I take it out on my children? Do I take it out on my coworkers? Do I shut down? Do I go into depression mode? Do I go into anxiety? If, if all of them in the answer, something is wrong. Something is off. Because if you serve, we just sang up here and say, God, you reign and all this stuff. If you serve the God that you say you serve, if you are a real worshiper, which means to acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you're going to have some seeds. You're going to have some some Something's something going to come, going to get birthed out of you that show where your devotion lies. People gonna look at you and say, "Man, I see that sister get knocked down, but she got right back up." That's a seed. That's your. That's a son being born. That's a testimony. That's something or somebody that can speak for you and what God has done in your life. It's something visible that when people look at you, they see Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so, in this series on inheritance, Lord. You inherited some stuff from your parents, right? Mm -hmm. And depending on where your devotion lies, your children are going to inherit some stuff from you. 
Right. Just for a moment, stop focusing on all the outside wars. Focus on the inside war, right? Focus on the inside war, that James 4. And figure out, God, am I lusting after anything that's not you? Amen. Amen. Am I seeking and desiring after anything that's not you? Am I asking for stuff, but I'm asking amiss? Examine yourself. And see where your devotion lies. Amen. Amen.